Your favorite PGA and LPGA legends, pros and top instructors are right here every week on Next on the Tee. Join Chris as the greats of the game share their stories, insights and playing lessons. Now, back to Chris and more of the show. All right, now back and get this, folks. Making his 14th appearance with me on the French Lick Resort guest line is Eric Johnson. Let me remind you about Eric's background. He played his college golf and was a four-year letterman at Mississippi State from 1992 to 1995. Helped them win back-to-back Kroger intercollegiate titles in 94 and 95. Golf Magazine has named Eric a top 100 instructor every year since 2011. He was also recognized by Golf Digest as a top 40 under 40 teacher. He is a four-time Tri-State PGA Teacher of the Year going back to 2005, 2008, 2011, and 2018. He is also a four-time Horton Smith Award winner for his contributions to education. Eric played out on the Canadian Tour, the Sunshine Tour, and the Golden Bear Tour. He was the Director of Instruction at Oakmont Country Club for many years. He is now the Director of Instruction at Nemecolin Woodlands Resort, which is an amazing resort up in Farmington, Pennsylvania, which is a little southeast of Pittsburgh near the West Virginia border. And Eric is not only one of my all-time favorite guests, but he is also one of my all-time favorite people on the planet. And I'm very honored he is back with me again tonight here on Next on the T. Hey, how are you, my friend? Chris, what an introduction. I, I really appreciate it, buddy. I, 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 I was blushing there as you were talking, so thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Most prepared man on radio. How many times have I said it? I don't know. <laughs> I Maybe 13. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. So, but I want to start right there because I want to acknowledge again the recent awards, right? You win the Tri-State PGA Teacher of the Year Award for a fourth time. You back that up with a, with winning the Horton Smith Award back in February. You're such an amazing teacher. I think your knowledge and personality are two of the big reasons that you're so successful and so sought out. But talk about the things that you do and why education, like I say, that Horton Smith Award, your dedication to education around the game. Talk about why that's so important to you. Well, Chris, I, thanks, buddy. I, you know, that was, uh, you know, it was very humbling. And, um, you know, fourth Teacher of the Year and fourth Horton Smith Award winner. And I, you know, um, you know, there are so many people that got me to this point. And so, you know, I think of the Mike Adams in the world and Bob Ford and, and Joe Gilbo's and all these professionals that helped me and Jim Flick. I mean, Jim Flick was a huge mentor of mine and all these guys that helped me that really, I don't know what they saw in this little kid from Titusville, Pennsylvania, but they, they always tried to help. And, and I, I swear to God, I wouldn't be where I am today without Bob Ford. I mean, he was instrumental in my career. I spent 17 years at Oakmont, which is, you know, I was there for four U S opens. I mean, um, you know, and to, to think that he's given me this opportunity and the lifestyle that, that I've, that I've come to have is, is amazing to me. And so the only way, and I've said this to him, the only way that I can, you know, to, to, to give back to you is to help the future generation like you've done to me. And that's the only reason that I do what I do. I, I, the, you know, these awards, they're great and all, but, I, I don't do this because I want to win awards. I do this because I want to help people. And at the end of the day, if maybe a few more people in the world would have that attitude, maybe it'd be a little kinder world out there. But just my take. So, you know, to that end, Eric, 
I, I have to imagine all the students that you've had and you've had a wide impact on so many players lives, whether it's, you know, guys that are, you know, going to college or junior golfers or people out on tour or just, you know, regular Joes like me. It's got to be awfully fulfilling to you to see how your touch and your influence has gone out there on so many other people. When you're looking at some of the students that you've had and talking back to guys that you've taught over the years and guys and gals for that matter, what, what are some of the touching things that, you know, you, you know, you know what? I've done, a, I've done a good job here. I've really left my mark on some folks and that's got to be really fulfilling. Well, it is. I, you know, and again, I, I try not to think about these awards, but I really see it as helping, helping humans. And, you know, I knew when I got an email from a guy in Africa who saw the African, wow. uh, golf, uh, magazine and asked me a question about what I had written in there. Then I knew something was up. You know what I mean? Like, and it, it, it's funny, like, I, <laughs> You know, I was in the magazine five times last year and, and had, you know, some pretty good instructional tips in there. And my kids see it and they're like, Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> and they don't even, they don't even get it. They're like, Oh, yeah, there you are. Okay. Whatever, dad. <laughs> you know, so I mean, at the end of the day, you know, my kids keep me humble on it. They're like, Yeah. Okay. Whatever, dad. That's just you, you know, okay. And, uh, <laughs> you know, but I, I, I knew something was up when I got that email from Africa and, and he sent me a swing and he, we, we emailed him back and told him what I thought. And, you know, it was, it was really something. I, you know, I mean, I, you know, when you're, yeah. when you're with these guys and you're hanging out and, you know, at the top 100 teachers summit and you're looking around and you got, you know, all your, Idols growing up and the new young guns coming out to knock you off. I mean, it's uh, it, it's pretty cool. I I will say that, no doubt. Yeah. All right, so I, I'm gonna switch gears a little on you, Eric, because I want to get your thoughts on the, probably the latest controversy out on the PGA Tour involving Matt Kuchar. This hasn't been a really good Matt Kuchar year, I'm, and I'm sure you saw the <laughs> video of Kuch at the European Open over the weekend calls a rules official over, over and successfully argues that clumps of sand in a waste bunker are a loose impediment and then proceeds to peel out grains of sand everywhere because it's from behind his ball. So I, I can't believe they let him do it. I can't believe he even tried to do it. And then he gets away with that and, and moves on. But that is absolutely driving me nuts. The grains of sand in a waste bunker are can be you know termed loose impediments. What's your thought? <sighs> That's uh, that could be worse than when Tiger moved the twelve zillion pound boulder. I mean, I, I, I've never seen. I you know, come on now. I, you, and you're correct. He's not having a real good year. I mean, you know, come on. You're out there on the PGA Tour, and I'm a little stirred up about this one too. But you know, when you win on the tour, and how much money has this guy made? And then he's gonna stiff his caddy. Because in Mexico, because he said, well, I didn't have a, you know, we had a contract, and you know what? Do what's right. Do what's right. Give this guy 150 grand and change his life. You know, you he flies around on a jet everywhere you go, and I'm not so sure he's the smartest tack in the bunch. And <laughs> what I saw there was a little, just uh, you can, you can, you can try to bend a rule, but flat-ass break it? I mean, come on now. 
And to, to let the official say, oh, yeah, go ahead, it's waste marker. You can uh, take all these impediments out there. You, know, you hit it in there. You should be mad at yourself. Don't break a rule and, and hit it. You know, I mean, it just doesn't make any sense. But this thing with this caddy, I think that had me more disgusted than than anything I've I've heard this year. I mean, he's going to make what five six million this year, and you're going to stiff right. a caddy for a hundred grand? Come on, man! You're sponsored by NetJets for God's sakes. That that's that's the fuel to get to Mexico. Now, come on. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Alright, so let's go to the PGA Tour Player of the Year. That's another big topic of conversation. In your mind, who deserves it? Is it Brooks? Is it Rory? Is it someone else? Oh, I think it's Brooks. I just, you know, what he's done in the majors has, has been pretty, pretty remarkable. And, and, you know, I wish, I just wish it's a little bit like Tiger. You wish he'd play a little more. And you wish he'd do a little better in like the regular season stuff. And, you know, Tiger's been like, like kind of non-existent and maybe he was injured. Maybe who knows, but you know, the, how many surgeries this is, but you know, with Brooks, I just think, you know, he's, he's out in front. Um, I think the guys are pretty intimidated by him. I think what he did earlier in the year and I was at, uh, where was it? Canadian opener, wherever, you know, he just, destroyed Rory wherever it was. I mean, like they were, it was WGC, whatever it was. And he just, yeah, the WGC Rory had a two shot lead and, and just blasted right by him. And, and, you know, I, and I think he's got people intimidated and he's kind of doing some tiger stuff back from like the early two thousands when he would, you know, when he came out and said, well, there's only 20 people that can win a major and like 10 of them, only 10 of them will have their game at that week. And you go, you know he's right because if I'm in a major, the only thing I'm trying to do is make the cut to make a paycheck. You know, and, he, and there's a lot of other guys out there too doing the same thing. Just man, I hope I make the cut this week, and you know, get a few points, get some money, and and then there's only like 20 guys that can probably win it, and he's probably right then. And then half of those guys aren't going to have their game, so all I got to beat is like nine guys. And you go, wow, okay, this is frighteningly uh, honest and probably very correct um you know i'm not sure you're worried about um you know a lot of people during a major i mean really you you could probably name 100 guys off the tour you go right down the the list and go yeah he's not winning a major and and it's probably true you know i bet you i bet you it would be an interesting thing if we sat down and hashed that out and said here are the 20 people that i think can win a major or you think can win a major I, I bet you right. we'd be pretty surprised. It, it's a pretty small list. So I and, think I'm going to give it to Kepka. I think, you know, Roy came on late at the end, but, you know, he's so spotty. You know, he's either really good or he's really bad. You know, I mean, missing the cut at his hometown and in Ireland and in the British Open, excuse me, the Open Championship. Um, uh, you know, it's just, <laughs> it, it, it's funny that, you know, it makes an eight on the first hole. I mean, come on, man. You grew up there. You shot 61 on the golf course. So I'm going with Brooks. Yeah, well, it, and it's, you know, it's, it's you know, to your previous point, right? That's a, the same thing that Jack Nicholas used to say, right? There's only a handful of guys that uh, that think they can win, and there's only a handful of them that, uh, that aren't going to choke, and I'm not going to be one of them. Yep. So, um, yeah, right on the same uh, same sort of wavelength yep. there. Yep. 
Speaking of Tiger a moment ago, we got the President's Cup coming up here soon, and, and uh, the world team looks pretty strong to me this time around. But uh, your thoughts on the President's Cup? Can we rebound from what we had last year at the Ryder Cup, you know, get the U.S. team back in the right frame of mind? And do you think Tiger should pick himself to play on the team? Well, we'll we'll probably win because it's not a Ryder Cup. So, you know, that's the good news. <laughs> we can't seem to win one of those, but in the President's Cup, we got that in the bag. But, um, no, I, I'm kidding, of course. But the, uh, the you know, the international team looks stronger than they have in the past. Um, there's some actually some really good players on there. Um, I think it'll be close. Um, I, I, you know, listen, we went back. I I had some kid, you know, that I taught years ago said, you said Tiger would never win again. And I said, you know what? I, I still, you, you never can bet against the guy. I mean, period. And and I wasn't rooting for him not to. I I, I think it's awesome for the game. And um, we've talked about this in the past. I'm not sure, you know, about personally what I think about him. But when you think about on the golf course, it's, it moves the needle. Like no one in golf, maybe ever has, from Arnold Palmer, maybe Jack, and maybe Greg Norman, and you know some of those big guys that 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 really could move the needle. Um, so, you know, from that standpoint, uh, we haven't seen him play much. I mean, after the Masters, we kind of lost track of him. Really, I mean, he really, I think he only played twelve or thirteen times this year. Uh, goes to the right. Open Championship. You know, looks awful, looks sore, looks tight, uh, you know, misses the cut down the road pro, you know, I mean, um, so he hasn't, he hasn't played a lot. Um, and in this recent surgery, you know, I don't know, uh, if I was Tiger, um, maybe I'd sit it out. Um, but that being said, it's Tiger Woods, you know, I mean, you, you, you've got, in my opinion, the second greatest player ever in the history of the game, um, you know, second to Jack, and I still believe that. You know, a guy wins 18 majors, and you know, I, I still, I still tip my hat to Jack a little bit. But I, I think that Tiger should have had 30 majors by now if he hadn't have switched all the coaches. And I, I will say that. I don't care if Hank Haney or Sean Foley or, you know, you know anybody's there in front of me, I would still argue that point that I think if he was still with, with, with Butch, he would have 30, 35 majors by now. Yeah, you know, I mean, you'd have to fix some of the hyperextension of the knee and some of the stuff he was doing there. But, uh, and, you know, he could have still had some injuries, but, I think if he hadn't changed his coaches so many times, and I mean it was, he didn't go 18 months, you know, with with Hank before he won, and then, you know, with uh, Sean Foley it was another couple of years, and you just you just look at the wasted time, in my opinion, when you tried to fix something that wasn't broke. Eric, let's uh, switch gears again, and I want to get a couple of playing lessons from you before I let you go, and. One of the things I heard uh, I'm talking about this morning on the PGA Tour radio channel on uh, Sirius XM was around par threes and using a tee or not. And it's something that my buddies and I have debated over the years. I got one buddy who just throws the ball down on the ground, feels like it's just like any other pitch shot, and he you know hits it from there. 
And I, if they're gonna, if you're gonna let me use a tee, I'm gonna use a tee. And I stick a peg in the ground every time on a par three. What's your thought? What do you teach your students to do a par three, tee or no tee? I mean, to me, this isn't even a question. This is like, if the USG is gonna let you cheat and put it up on a tee, then you need to cheat and put it up on a tee. You got a perfect lie. You got nothing. You got no grass, no water, no air, no nothing behind the ball. That's what you got to do. You know, these guys that throw down on the tee, I laugh at them all the time. I go, man, it, 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 they give you a tee for a reason. <laughs> you know, it's to help you. And why not let it, why not let it, you know, get up in the air a little bit and kind of get the club under a little bit. I, I, tee is the way to go with 100%. I've never done. I've never done right. it without one. I've even done it with a sandwich. I've teed off with a sandwich. I put it on a little tee, just just a little bit to get it up in the air, and boom. You know. Yes. Got to use a tee with you. Yeah, Eric. One of the things we've been talking about here on this show. One of the other things we've been talking on the show lately is about you know I, I've sort of adopted the mindset that like look I'm a weekend hacker. I'm not good enough to be pin hunting you know out there on the golf course and. So I've I've sort of adopted the theory that I'm going to shoot for the middle of the green, regardless of where the pin is. If I catch it a little thin and it happens to be in the back, maybe I get lucky and the ball rolls to the back and uh, I'm I'm in good shape. If I catch it a little heavy and the pin's in the front, then I, again I get lucky and I'm closer to to the pin. So when you're out there talking to guys like me, weekend hackers that are that are out there playing, when you're talking strategy, are you pin hunting? Should I be pin hunting? And I'm just kidding myself or am I doing the right thing? No, I think you're doing the right thing. I I always used to talk about this 80% rule. If I didn't feel like, like say I'm on a par five and I've got 230 out and, and you know, let's say I didn't think that I could hit that shot 80% of the time, I wouldn't even try it. You know, I mean, you, you kind of got to know your own game and, you know, it, it's frightening when I watch some players and and I see the misses and what they're trying to do, and it's it's always comical when I say, "Hey, what were you trying to do there?" And like, well, I was trying to take five iron out over the lake and cut it back to the to the to the, the hole. And I'm like, "Wait a minute, hold on a second. You're trying to do what? You know, I mean, I don't know if Tiger could do that in his prime. And and, and you know, there's nothing wrong with playing safe. You know, I mean, and what I mean by that is. You know, and I probably got, you know, learned this lesson at Oakmont. First hole is 460 yards at Oakmont. It's one of the hardest holes in the world. And I would hit a four iron off the tee. And people are like, why aren't you using your driver? Well, because I can make par if I'm past the hole in two strokes. If I can't get past the hole in two strokes, I'm not making a par. And so then, you know, it's all downhill after it. And then I'd hit like four iron. I'd hit an eight iron. It hit kind of middle of the hill, roll 40 yards down the hill, and I'd make par there a lot. And when you're playing in the SWAT and you got to make pars and the pars are good scores out there, uh, I learned how to play somewhat conservatively. And and on a U.S. Open golf course especially, you know, I mean, uh, as fat, firm and fast as the golf course is, you can – you, you don't have to hunt at every pin. You know, you forget that par is a really good score. If you went out there on the tour and they have that, they have that every year. If you shot par at every event, what would you shoot in your U.S. Open? Would you be your best one? You'd still make a million bucks or something crazy like that. So, I mean, pars are, are really good scores, you know, so don't ever underestimate that. 
So one more, Eric, before I let you go. And, and when we're in between shots, let's say I hit my sand wedge normally around 100 yards, my gap wedge 115. But here I am, I'm 105. I'm sort of right in, in between those two clubs. Many times we either try to muscle up the sand wedge and we end up chunking it or we thin it or, you know, something along those lines because we're, we're in between shots. We desell the club if we take a little higher because we're afraid we're going to fly the green and, and we end up in all kinds of trouble. So for those in-betweeners, what do you teach your students to do in order to hit that shot more successfully? So that's a great question. I mean, you know, I, my twins are 15 years old now and they're on the JV golf team and I played with them in a tournament uh, for a charity event the other day in a scramble. And we shot 10 under, by the way, and, and finished second. But, uh, nice. watching them play, yeah, watching them play golf though, it was like, I said, boys, you don't know how to play golf. I said, what are you doing? You know, I mean, they, 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 and I think this is true with a lot of players. I mean, you know, they, they, I have never seen anyone have a long sandwich contest. I've seen them have closest to the pin contest, but I don't care if you can hit your sandwich 125. But the problem with it, too, even if you do catch it and you're going all out, it spins like crazy and it's going up. So if there's any wind, you get totally destroyed. You know, and the art of hitting little knockdowns, and Chris, this is one of the biggest things that I think. I try to keep the backswing consistent. I don't try to make it shorter or longer. And then I try to change the through swing. I have a waist-high finish with the head of the club, shoulder-high finish with the head of the club, a rehinge, which is a 90-degree angle, almost full and full. And from there, I swing to an end point, and it flights the ball down, and, you know, I always hit it more solid because I'm not jumping out of my shoes and going out of posture. And, and so, to me, it's always about changing the through swing and, and where, you, where the end point of the golf swing is. So, take the, take the you know, the little less lofted club, and then hit an end point, whether it's waist, shoulder, rehinge, almost full, full. That's the way I do it. Eric, I got to get your thoughts on our Steelers before I let you go, because that was a debacle on Sunday night. So I, I, I either need you to talk me off the ledge or go ahead and push me over it, because I don't know what I if I if they do that again on Sunday against Seattle, I, it's going to be a long football season for me. You know, if this is what an off season without drama is, maybe I want the drama back because my God, that was <laughs> that was one of the worst football games. They were out coached. They and it's just the same thing. If you want a blueprint on how to beat the Steelers, just watch that game. Oh my God, everything from the, I mean, Ben looked like he was in an assisted living home and. And you had you had the receivers not catching anything. You had Tomlin over there. Like, oh yeah, it's okay. No, it's not okay, Mike. It's not okay. Um, I you know I've got Joe Vincent and the KPMG guys invited me to the Steeler game this week, and and I'm hoping I don't jump off the Clemente Bridge or something after that game. Like I just I you know just I, you know I mean wow. I mean, no one, it, yeah. it's almost like they just threw in the towel and said, you know what? They're going to beat the crap out of us. We're just going to just, uh, oh, and then how about the, you got third and one on the goal line. You're down 20 something points and you kick a field goal on fourth and one from the one and you're down <laughs> three scores. You had four scores. I, I, what are you, what are you doing? Just so you didn't get blanked? Come on. I, 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 yeah. But that's our nemesis. Yeah. You know, it's always that case. Now they've got Antonio Brown, which is even makes me hate him even worse. 
Right? Oh, boy. Yeah. Both of them. I hate both of them. Yeah, I hate them both. Eric, let uh, our listeners. And, and, and he was, Antonio yeah. Brown, I got a picture of my kids down on the field with him. He was a heck of a stellar oh. guy back in the day. And he's got, he's turned into a, maybe he's yeah. got some mental health issues. I don't know. He's turned crazy. But I mean, he was yeah. so nice to my kids. Big hugs. Hey, guys. How you doing? Good to see you. Yeah. He didn't remember who the heck they were, but it was awesome of them. But crazy stuff. I'm hoping yeah. for a good game this Sunday. And I'll be there. I'll be thinking Indeed. about you. <laughs> I appreciate you. Yeah. Eric, let our listeners know how they can stay up to date with all the great things you're doing on your website. And then hopefully one day soon we're going to get you on social media, too. Oh, man. Everybody keeps bugging me about that. It's Eric Johnson Golf on Facebook, Eric Johnson Golf on Twitter, um, nemacolon.com. Come and see us. Great place. But, uh, you know, Chris, I always appreciate you. Always great to talk with you. I appreciate your time, Eric. Take care, my friend. I'll catch up with you soon. Looking forward to having you back on for a 15th time, hopefully sometime not too distant future. Have a great rest of the show, buddy. Thanks, man. I appreciate you, Eric. That's Eric Johnson. EricJohnsonGolf.com is his website, at EricJohnsonGolf on Twitter and on social media. We need to get him out there a little more often. He doesn't tweet and get on social media often, but uh, he is truly one of the great instructors and just one of the great people you get to meet in this life. 